Welcome, everybody, to Fourth Times the Charm, the podcast where every single episode is a new podcast. Now, Ben, how are you doing today? All right. Well, you didn't introduce yourself. Um, yeah, I don't need th- to. This is Matt, who was no, my, just the speaking The fans previously. already know who I am. My name is Ben, and you are listening to Fourth Times the Charm. The sure? only podcast for every week is a brand new concept. I am your producer, Matt's your director, and today we got a doozy. But most importantly, Matt, you asked me how I'm doing. I am doing swell. Are you swole as well? I'm I'm super swole, Matt. I'm still riding off the high of hiking a mountain. I don't feel definitely tired anymore. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, how was the physical recovery from that? I don't think we got into it last episode, but like, what was the day and like the week after like that? Especially with your blister. Uh, I'll be honest, it was fine. I I always feel generally okay if I'm given like a day break. I feel like mm-hmm. everyone else was tired a lot longer than me, which I find quite strange because I always consider myself the least athletic of whatever group i'm in so for me i feel the pain more than anyone else but i guess that also makes me more resilient yeah it it toughens your body up with each with each scar is a new layer of, of warmth and protection yeah that's a way of looking at it matt what have you gotten up to this week uh well i went and saw suspiria at the music box uh drive-in in chicago i got to eat chicken wings on the roof of my car had a great time uh, and i wrote a nice review of it on instagram that you can go and check out but just to hit the highlights here um it was a great time and the people were cool uh the thing about suspiria is as the, the original i love the remake and i've been trying to get ben to watch it since 2018 and have yet to succeed but one day we'll come and I all my references to this movie were through the remake and so it was like watching the like early cut or like the like a like an early version of a thing I already love because all the references was like oh that's how it that does that oh that's slightly different but the best part about it my absolute favorite part was the fact that I found out about something called German dance fighting uh, which is a German theatrical dance that involves actually slapping and hitting each other really hard, but in a synchronized and choreographed manner. Matt, that's uh, wrestling. That's just wrestling, no, Matt. Uh, but it, but it's dance. Trust me, Ben. You got to see this. I'll, I'll, I'll post a video of it on Instagram, and but I'm gonna send it to Ben. It is absolutely a wonderful experience to watch. And there is many a man and woman who engage in the activity. I think it's just men, but I assume women do it. Well, we had a uh, very chill weekend this past weekend. Okay. But I'm telling you, Matt, the month of October, we might not be getting into German combat dance. But we do have a number of movie screenings we're going to go to out here. Ooh. I really wish you were out here so that we could go to the Los Angeles 10 day scream fest festival where they're premiering like the next year's worth of horror movies. Oh, wow. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, how much of it are you going to go to? It's like 10 movies a day. I got to find someone to go with first. 
That's, no, that's go by step yourself, number dude. one. You don't need other people. I don't need other people. I like having other yeah, people, Yeah, but horror movies are more important than other people. Yeah, well, the big highlight, which on this podcast I will tell us about when it comes at the end of the month, is I'm going to a 35mm dual screening of both Phantasm and nice, the nice. original Night of the Living Dead from the 60s. Original 35mm. Dude, and nice. I've seen the 35mm print before, and it's fantastic. Not only that, but in between the two movies, there is going to be a Q&A with the writer and director of Phantasm. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I so we have several weeks to think up of a question that we collectively can ask, ask him. We'll get this. Well, and Ben, and not not only do you have the opportunity to see Phantasm in theaters, but I'm attending my own horror festival coming up and not at the drive-in. This year's Music Box of Horrors is back, which is similar to what Ben said. Not as cool, but slightly nerdier. Um, the It's a 24-hour lock-in film festival at the Music Box Theater, and we have some doozies. Ben, are you ready for this list? Yeah, hit me. All right, we open the day at... By the way, this starts at like 11 o'clock in the afternoon. So this is at like... Yeah, this is at noon. Um, the origin, uh, the 1990s arachnophobia and its original 35 millimeter print. Okay, I, that, arachnophobia is not one of the movies where I'm like, bro, I gotta see this on 35 millimeter. What? Yeah, me neither. But if I'm gonna see it in a theater, I might just, as well. I just like that. That's a highlight of it. You know, it's oh. like see it. In 35 millimeter well, arachnophobia. Yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. You know what comes next in its original 35 millimeter print, Ben? Uh, Birdemic? No, Calvair. Oh. <laughs> if they have the tattoo thing going on during that time, that's when I'm going to go get tattooed. Because uh, I'm not watching that movie again. Next, we have Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde, directed by William Crane, who is of uh, quite a directorial fame. Uh, and he will actually be in attendance for a full crowd post-film uh, Q&A. That's He's the awesome. guy who directed uh, Blackula and uh, Horror Noir Midnight Fear. I'm, All right. I'm, I'm noticing a trend with his naming conventions. You're correct. Next is a movie I've never heard of from 1998 called The Faculty. Uh, I don't know what that's about. And then next is I, The Hands I, I, of Orlock. I, I think I've heard of the faculty, and I don't think I remember good things about it. Yeah, usually they they uh, they hammer in some just really obscure but like mildly entertaining movies in the middle of the day. It's usually why I get tattooed. Like usually every year at the Music Box of Horror, they have a someone doing like fun tattoos, and I always get one to commemorate the experience. And you, this is usually the block when I go get snacks and get tattooed. You know, Matt, I and, and this is an interruption, but I do oh. think it would be interesting if we did a podcast about your tattoos and just sort of like what are the do's and don'ts about tattooing. Oh. Yeah, I would totally be up for that. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know as much as most other guys, but I, I, I have a lot of experience. I feel like you have a very good way of explaining tattoo work to someone yeah. with a layman's understanding of it yeah and i mean and they mean they uh they mean a lot to me and like the importance of tattooing is i think really important um but what's even more important ben 
is seeing silent films with a live score. Ooh. And one of the, the midnight movies is the reuniting of the director and star of the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, the hands of Orlock. Wow. Which is a 1924 movie from the German expressionist era with a live score. And I've, and last year, well, the last time the Mooks Rocks of Horror happened, it opened with the man who laughs, which is an incredible silent film. Sort of, <laughs> like that and it was outstanding uh with the live performance but then we got it's followed up by yet another classic from 1964 called straight jacket um never heard of it but it looks interesting then we have tim Bray, which is another dario argento gonzo movie um and it should be super pumped i've never seen it but i've always heard really really cool things about is, it is that spelled t-i-m-b-r-e no, it's Tenebrae, T-E-N-E-B-R-E. Oh, okay. Tenebrae. Had to do a guessing game on that one. Yeah, All right. Um, uh, and then and then here's the real highlight, Ben. In the original 35mm, 1988's Phantasm 2. Ooh. There, there's an eBay seller I follow. Mm-hmm. And he sells really overpriced by the way but you know those uh, dispensers and like malls who have those yeah like fancy stickers you can stick on stuff oh yeah he has those for horror movies what yeah what a and they have a lot of options from the nightmare on elm street sequels etc they're all each like 40 50 bucks which is ridiculous but one my favorite please. one i've seen is one for Phantasm 2 he just posted. Do you know what the tagline for Phantasm 2 is, Matt? Uh, not without cheating, I don't. The ball is back. Oh, hell yeah! The, fo- the photo they have for the trailer on Music Box site is hilarious. And on that fantastic note, haha, we are going to transition into our pod of the week matt once again we return to the overworked the sweaty the panicking writer's room where dreams are made in 30 minutes or less I'd feel disappointed if I didn't mention that Ghost Watch the Granny, the night of the original 1999, Dead and the Scary Six First, or the other movie showing at the Music Box of Horror. Ben, are you ready to pitch a horror sequel? I am ready. This is the writer's room sequelitis. In honor oh, of the month of October, we are going to create a horror sequel using our writer's room format. In this, Matt, we have less than 30 minutes to put together what this week will be a sequel to either a horror series or just a single horror movie. I agree. And, and for all the fans out there who've been listening for either a long time or not very long, you'll know that some of the favorite types of horror movies for Ben and I are the sequels. Because sometimes that's where you get the real charm. And like in Nightmare on Elm Street's case, you get the may arguably the best movies in the whole franchise. And so- definitely the case for... Uh, Friday the 13th. So normally we have two wheels, which is the overall theme. And then there's another one for whatever our uh, handicap will be. I was lazy and I just want to spend more time putting in names for the uh, movie Mm -hmm. wheel. So we only have one wheel this week. 
But in honor of Halloween, I've put together a list of 31 movies slash franchises that we will spin the wheel on. And once we get a winner, we will have 30 minutes or less to craft a sequel to this movie. Matt, are you ready to hear the list? Oh, I'm ready. I'm very nervous for some of these. 31 movies. Some now, of which, uh, uh, very. I've seen almost all of these, but there's a scant few that I really haven't, or it's been way too long. Yeah, and some of them, I'm in the exact same boat. And I we will mention that if these series, if these movies do have franchises attached to them already, we will be basing our sequel off the last released film in the franchise. Correct. Even or, if we haven't seen it. Or if there's a scenario where they've had two sets of sequels, I'm assuming we can choose. So like Halloween's on this list, so you could choose either like the original con like the H2O timeline or the Halloween Kills timeline. No, that's all one timeline, Ben. No, H2O separate from the new one. No, I thought I thought the new the not Rob Zombie new ones. Oh, there's sorry, sorry, there's three. Yeah, there's th- well, no, because I thought the new ones were continuations, got the no, same actress and no, everything. No, no, no. Okay, just real quick. Okay, it's there's the first Halloween timeline, which is everything from Halloween up up until the Rob Zombie films. Yeah, the, Halloween the Rob timeline don't count. Halloween timeline two is the two Rob Zombie movies. Halloween yep. timeline three is the first Halloween movie, and then the 2018 sequel in Halloween Kills. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I was, I was, I, know, I thought, I thought it went, yeah, Halloween to Halloween Resurrection, Halloween, Halloween Two by Rob Zombie, right, and then the David Gordon Green Three. I thought were in the same continuity as the original franchise. No, only the first movie. The rest are referred to. Did you watch the remake Halloween twenty eighteen? No, it's essentially. It, Okay, first off, it's an amazing movie. You'd really like it. Oh, Secondly, okay. 2018 Halloween is... I'm too busy watching Suspiria. Yeah, Halloween 2018 is the equivalent of Halloween 2. Oh, okay. So it's like a new Halloween 2. It, it retcons the entire first timeline except for the first movie. So, okay, so so in in the Halloween 2018 edition, the Halloween 3 season of The Witch... Uh, the Return of Michael Myers, The Revenge of Michael Myers, The Curse of Michael Myers, H2O 22, 20 years later, and Halloween Resurrection don't count. They literally like they, they literally say, oh, those are some rumors somebody started in the movie. That's awesome. Yeah, I will, really I will. I just want to take a pause here to, to, to praise the greatest sequel ever made, which is Halloween 3 Season of a Witch. It's not because a bad movie. If it wasn't called Halloween, people would look at it much better. When I rented Halloween 3 from Blockbuster, I was so upset. I can imagine. I, I can thought I thought imagine. I had to I thought I had grabbed like a Goosebumps VHS. Well, I tell you what we're going to grab Matt tonight is going to be one of the following 31 movies. I'm going to read them down now in no particular order. We have Hellraiser, Phantasm, Return of the Living Dead, Night of the Living Dead, Child's Play, Nightmare on Elm okay. Street, Halloween, Friday the 13th, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Carrie, The Boogans, Final what? Destination. Do you mean the Wicker Man? No, I meant the Boogans. I don't know what that is. It's a it's a creature movie with killer turtles with long tongues. 
Fuck yeah, keep going. Yeah. Final destination, Wicker Man, Puppet Master, Wishmaster, House of a Thousand Corpses, The Bye-Bye Man, Jeepers Creepers, Climax, Omen, The Exorcist, Poltergeist, Hereditary, House of Wax, The Babadook, Santa's Sleigh, Jack Frost, Tusk, Annabelle, Critters, and Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Some of these seem a lot easier than others. Some of them I don't remember at all. And the rest of them I'm very excited for. So just real quick, uh, you noticed I had Return of the Living Dead and Night of the Living Dead separate. That's because, well, not quite. So there's the original Night of the Living Dead that was created by two guys. One of them essentially sort of owned the IP George Romero and then he went ahead and did Day of the Dead okay and so Night of the Living Dead Day of the Dead and technically anything else that George Romero has licensed under that applies for the Night of the Living Dead one Return of the Living Dead was the alternate look at how zombies should progress from the other creator of Night of the Living Dead now he didn't own the rights to it but he went ahead and did Return of the Living Dead, and that's Return of the Living Dead's one through five. Great. This is going to take a lot of research because we have to make number six. That's right. So, Matt, uh, before we begin, any what do you really want to do and what do you really not want to do? Hmm. I really do not want to do another Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I feel like our the script we read for Hellbound um, is the best thing you can do with any of those major franchises. I think my top two would either be House of Wax or maybe Carrie. Because I feel like we'd have to go to a very weird place. What about you, Ben? So... I don't remember much of Carrie, and I really do not remember much of House of Wax at all. Perfect. So, Pamela Anderson's in one of them. <laughs> so I, sh- I, I would like to avoid those. I'd like to do a child's play. Okay. I, I Just because I think that that's a movie franchise they really like, but I feel like they've kept it safe a lot of the time. Okay, Kurt... Cult of Chucky was not a safe version. It was not, but I want to see what happens safe. when you really go fucked up. Also, Jack Frost. I'd really like yeah. to do Jack Frost. Jack so. Frost, summer. Mm. Oh, also Jeepers Creepers, so I could write the ship after the last two abysmal fucking sequels. Aren't there five Jeepers Creepers movies? Is there a fifth one now? Oh, good lord. Hold on. Jeepers. We did a lot of research. Creepers. Oh, Jeepers Creepers Reborn coming out this year. Oh, wow. Jeepers, I was talking out my ass. Jeepers Creepers 4 Reborn. Okay, but it's not out yet. So we it comes out in 24 days. So Matt, that's oh. going to be a five stars under 50. 50. We have to watch it before it gets reviewed. I agree. All right. We got to watch it before 50 reviews come in. All right. Here we go, Matt. Spin the wheel. Make the deal. Once I tell you, we are off and running. All right? All right. Hold on. Let me get ready to spin the wheel. Okay. That was my wheel spinning. Wow. This is really loud in my ears. Oh, good God. Get assaulted by the power. 
Oh my god, this is a good one. We are going with Wishmaster. Three, two, Fuck. one, start. Okay, alright, so, all right, so I, I feel like I feel like these episodes allow for some research. I'm going to pull up the Wishmaster Wikipedia page because Yeah, I think, me too. I think there's four of them. I th- I swore there was more. There might be. Hold on. It's not directly linking me to the sequels. All right. All right. That's not a good sign. <laughs> oh, no. Franchise. Okay. So there, so there were four. So Wishmaster, Wishmaster 2, Evil Never Dies, Wishmaster 3, Beyond the Gates of Hell in 2001, and Wishmaster, The Prophecy Fulfilled 2002. Okay. Um, so so we, we don't have to read any of them. Go straight to the plot for The Prophecy Fulfilled. Let's do this. So it was a 2002 Canadian fantasy slasher film. Directed by Chris Angel. Wait. So was three. Wishmaster three was also directed by Chris Angel. This might be a different Chris Angel. It doesn't have a link to a Wikipedia page. It's just another guy named Chris Angel. (laughs) All right. As in the previous films, of course, an evil genie is, is released from his prison and must grant three wishes to the person who awakens him in order to release the race of Jinn from hell and allow them to take over Earth. Ooh, okay. A bunch of bullshit happens. Sam returns and tries to save the day with the angel sword. Oh, yeah. This is the one I've seen. This is the one where the the main character absorbs magical powers because they wish to have the power to destroy the Wishmaster. And a guy becomes an angel. So, and in Wishmaster 3, the angel Michael comes down with a sword that's used to kill the demon, it looks like, from a cursory glance. So, none of that really needs to affect us. Um, Wishmaster 1 and 2, I remember being pretty, uh, pretty simple as well. Uh, yeah, and the second one, she takes the djinn's fire opal and intones the alchemist's chant. The djinn is, again, banished and all the victims return to life. Okay, great. So, so there are no rules essentially for Wishmaster, except it's 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 Wishmaster, so you gotta have someone wishing for shit. So we got a lot of options at our disposal, Matt. I, I right, think I I I I, I, got, I, I just wanna put ah! this out to start. I think that incorporating not Nightmare on Elm Street, but some sort of Nightmare on Elm Street logic where it's like you believing gives him the power. I feel like 100%. we could work with that. Okay, here, here's here's my idea. All of these djinns have been trapped in hell for so long, but as society has begun to treat the magic lamp like a joke, due to the movie Wishmaster, they have been continuously... Continuously... Uh, scraping for power and more and more until the demon Maman from the original Exorcist movie um, becomes obsessed with the fact that he can get these people out of hell and convince the earth. So he's like the, he's like a demon of in the, in the new Testament of like deception and te- and tempers and ensnares. So he tries to trap people in. So I think this time we take on a different lens where, hear me out, Ben, instead of when you rub the genie lamp, you're taken, a genie comes to you and gives you wishes, but you're transported inside to a magical world of gins where you have to accomplish three tasks for the gins in order to get your wishes. 
And okay. we do like a we do like a Dream World like um like Dream Warriors esque movie. Okay, so that's going in one direction. I was kind of go thinking of going in like a funny games direction with it. Well, like a, a very self-referential? Not quite, but sort of. I, I like the idea where... I, I like the idea where they're starved for attention because mm-hmm. the Wishmaster movie has essentially dumbed them down. Yeah, I like made, that. Made them into a joke. But... What I envision as being a powerful end to the movie is essentially this question of like, okay, well, you know, I made it so that the people here in this world believe that I exist, but what about the person watching the movie? Like, are you convinced that I exist? Something like that, where it's like, maybe the power can transcend the film world into the real world. I, I, I feel like we can't go too ham-fisted because... Funny Games pulled it off so well. They did. Where it just kind of ends on a note where it's like, it's not, how did you enjoy the movie, folks? It it just kind of, it addresses it, and then it continues the narrative as as if it never happened. Mm. Like, you're you're complicit in what's happening in Funny Games. That's like, that's the notion. And so if you're like, you're the ones who need to believe in me, at the end, it's a little too hammy for me. Okay, so... I like the notion that the viewers matter and the world that we live in matters. Okay, so so how about we go into a direction which is maybe more in line with the sequels. You have teenagers, antique shop, they pick up the the lamp, I think he comes in. Yeah, he's a genie. Right, and then because they believe enough... Or, no, because one of them believes enough because she's actually scared of those movies. Ooh, we, we could we could have some great representation and have her be of... Uh, oh, what's the non-offensive name? Ro- Romney? Oh, I fucked Romani? it up. Romani? Romani? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, um, have her be, like, Romani and, like, have that be her representation and, like, have or or you could ha- have them be uh from a culture that actually deeply believes in the gin. So wait, well I I hear this out first. I like the idea that most of them think that this is kind of a joke thing. Yeah. But they end up being portaled into this world, right? That's essentially mm-hmm. fueled by the girl's fear and you could theorize that she has some sort of like spiritual psychic link right Ooh, what if, what if while and she's rubbing the on. lamp for the first time she goes i just wish my friends would understand me oh that's a good idea and then yeah. pop into the fucking like, all right that's your hard cut from like the normal teen comedy you present at the beginning okay uh, so i like that on top of that i think that when they start in the world everything seems pretty anemic and like the movies where it's like ooh, look at me blah blah explosions aren't i cool well like, then, i wish i could movie, lose weight so your bones dissolve something like that but as it goes on it gets more and more gruesome and actually mm-hmm. brutal and by the end of it it's like not torture porn but it's like really gruesome and horrific to watch and the characters are actually really fucked up from it I think yeah, I think I think you go from what feels like Nightmare on Elm Street 
four, and then you turn it, you turn it to a direct or nine, maybe nine, it maybe even nine M Street six. Just saying. And then you turn it into a direction where the film starts to almost feel like hostile. Yes. I like this. I think I I think you can pull that off. I think as like it's almost like our own version of Dante's Inferno, where as the as they go deeper into this this wish world, this world of jinns, uh, you get deeper and deeper into the realms. And jinns as um or jinns as I know them have like a deeply, um like deeply deep mythology. Yeah, and what I like is that the wishes can be incorporated in a way where they start out really lighthearted, and then they Mm -hmm. accidentally, quote-unquote, get themselves into situations where they need to make game-time wishes, and, like, it fucks them up. So, for example, to start out, they just see a random person being tortured, and mm-hmm. it's and you know it can be the person is real emaciated and you can't really quite see who they are it's like oh i hope i don't fuck up my wish well i wish and like they don't quite do it right but it doesn't affect them it affects whoever the person is you could even approach reapproach that later on in the movie where it turns out the really disfigured, fucked up person was actually one of them, and they just couldn't Ooh. recognize them because they're so brutally disfigured, and they end up killing them retroactively. Oh, like and, what if what if like the the character you see at the beginning like makes a wish near the end of the movie, betraying the main character, saying like, "I just wish this could all start over," and they're but they're taken back to the beginning, but in their bedraggled and like deformed state where they're not even able to really communicate with the main character kind of like we could do like an ending, like as above, so below where the main character sees the ending and what must be done, but it has to trek back through what has been experienced in order to actually emerge out the other side. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. And I think we could, and in, in, in common Arabic uh, mythology, uh, jinns are very like zoomorphic. So they take on the shapes of like half animal, half people. Um, like they're depicted like frequently with like wings or as like half lions. And I think you could do this like really deep dive into Arabic culture um, where you really like push deeply into like these like very mystical expressions as you delve, de- as the layers are pulled back. Yeah. Like I think you could even do. Uh, I mean, we're not the right people to pitch the movie, but like a commentary no. on misrepresentation of the actual like deep mythology of the pre like the pre-Islamic uh, Arabic cultures. Like, I think that could be like a really it'd be, it, it's something you'd want to step f- uh, properly with. But I think using the term jinns and actually going into what these creatures actually meant would be a more, potentially more compelling movie. But you don't ham fist it. You you just sprinkle in enough content so, to make people dive into it. Like I really, all the original gins are mentioned in like Persian poems. Yeah, I I really <laughs> like that. I feel like that's more of a C plot type thing or like an yeah, art oh yeah. direction, especially where you can see it on the walls and if yeah, you're really setting. looking close. So, yeah, every, everything is like very Arabic, but it, the the key the key would be to not make it presented like we're saying yeah. Arabic people are evil. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so here. Uh, I think that since this is Wishmaster, I think a great way to get started here 
plotting out the movie because we already have a general concept of how it's going to go but i think we should go through the wishes and see how that's going to work so we already have you so i think we should have like a dummy first wish right like a marshmallow wish yeah well and i think i think the marsh and and like this one wouldn't backfire at all this is just like a gimme to be like look see i could make whatever come true is this a dream i don't know but i got a marshmallow i really i really feel like you, we have to do away with the notion that there are only three wishes necessarily. Well, because well, we have a group here, remember? So, oh, so they each get three. Yeah, they so each get three here. All right, all right. I, I'm down for that. I'm into it. So then we can have the one we're talking about, the torture wish, where they're like blasé about themselves from mm-hmm. the future. Yeah, all right. I like the, it. After that, we can have like a menial thing that gets fucked up and they accidentally mess up one of their people. Like they accidentally lose a limb or something. So like a botched well, I, wish. I I think our, our character who is like, I think, I think we, our, our side, our concerned character who knows a lot, you, you go for a little different. You go with like a big star to really pull the movie and you go with like a Robbie Malik, a Rami Malik, who okay. is of, uh, I believe Persian descent. Um, I, I can't uh, where are you from Rami Malik he's born in Los Angeles but he's he's not American I can tell you that oh he's Egyptian um which I think it'd be a cool casting and you have maybe like Dev Patel or some other rep maybe Dev Patel's the Wishmaster because I've never he just he just did a leading role in the Green Knight uh, and his and his performance was super captivating. I could see him being the Jin itself and really flexing his like villain uh, characteristics. I think he could pull it off, especially with how well he did in that movie. And then vice versa for Rami Malek, who just did the new uh, James Bond movie. So this would be another return to the main character role. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think I think that's good. I think you have. At, at the friend like Rami Malik, who's like, you guys need to stop and listen to me. I think he gets pushed to the point where we see the the wish that transitions, where for the first time he like, like his friends making some stupid wish and someone close to them gets hurt, and then they like like his friends laugh at it or don't treat it seriously, and he grabs the the thing from him like absentmindedly is like, man, I just wish they would understand what I really want, like like what's actually true about the Jin. And then all of a sudden, it's like teleported in. But I think due to the 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 B plot we were talking about, where it's because they're not afraid of the gin or don't believe in them because of like movies and stuff have ruined it. The the first like two marshmallow wishes, uh, wishes even the one that goes terrible, are kind of like like presidentation ones where like right. it's not really a big effect. It's mostly a harmless, yeah. but there just happens to be severe consequences. What, yeah. What. Because I, I, I feel like the way that makes this work is that when they're transported in there, maybe they were drinking before, they were smoking mm-hmm. a bit. And so when they're transported in here, most of them think that this is a dream or something. So they're or they really they're not taking shrooms. it seriously. Yeah, something like that. So then when you have the first real botched wish and someone loses an arm or something, that's when some of them are like, wait a minute. And then others are still sort of well, having that, fun that with has- it. That has to be the moment where you break out the first, like, hard, very intense, brutal uh, prosthetic. Yes, I agree. Like, you do, like, a slow, 
Like it's not even, it's not pretty. And uh, even and and this might be too much. I don't know, but I like floating the idea around where if you're looking at it from one person's perspective, it's sort of like a movie prosthetic arm being lobbed off. Mm-hmm. And then from the people who believe who are closer to them, you see like the shredded arm and the gore. Yeah. And it's like a lot more visually visceral just to sort of highlight the difference between the two groups. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think it's here where it starts to break down. One thing I really like to, inv- I'm really enjoying envisioning is one of them gets stuck in some sort of scenario with a ticking clock. Ooh. So I'm thinking like they get stuck in quicksand, right? Or, okay, or, sure. or they're hanging from something and there's lava underneath them. And they, and because of that, they keep like rattling off wishes, but not thinking about it, which keeps making it worse. Yeah, so, it just kind of traps. It, like two people end up dying just because they wish themselves into so, like the depths. Yeah, like she's, uh, like uh let's say she's hanging off a ledge and there's lava behind her and mm-hmm. this girl says oh, i i i i i wish i was on the platform and it spawns her with like her two front toes on it she immediately falls backwards again and she's like no Ooh. i i i wish that i blah 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 and she does it three times yeah. and and then finally she goes I know what I want to wish for. I wish for blank, but it's too late because she already used her wishes. Yeah, and like as that third, and then as that, as she tries to make that third wish, she just slowly falls into the lava. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I'm into it. So by that point, everyone's like, "Okay, this is really messed up." Now, what what's going to drive them through the plot? Because they got to have something that's pushing them through hell. Otherwise, they can just hang out and do whatever. What's actively chasing them here? Well, I think the main, I think Rami Malek or one of the main characters understands that they need to actually escape and release something. Um, and so the at some point Malik realizes that everyone there is bound to him because he's the one who was the vessel for the wish. So they need to like travel to like the bottom or to the oh actually yeah they need to travel to the king of the jinn because in the in jinn mythology there are the seven jinn kings and I think you could shorten it up and not mention all seven, but you have him like go to like the heart of the thing and and release and get themselves released or there's so, like some way that he knows to get out because maybe he saw movies like michael destroyed him maybe if we could get there i wouldn't i really i really want to avoid like a christian god coming right. down and murdering an islamic jinn king but maybe it's like a maybe a, you kind of do like the flip kind of like in funny games where at the end of it, you you come to realize that the king of the jinn is actually like a super tortured entity, and maybe he's trapped in this like Judeo-Christian version of hell. And in order for Rami's Malik's last wish to set them free, like he wishes, kind of like at the end of Aladdin, wishes the jinn freedom. Uh, but that's that's the ending. That's what's driving them is because they feel like they uh... need to get to the king in order to get out. But then you kind of have this like roundabout like as above so below thing where he has to release him but then they have to escape out of hell 
or out of the Jin kingdom with the king of the Jin. Okay, so so I'm of two minds on that. Yeah. One, one, I like the idea where there is something to go there. Like, like there's mm-hmm. a reason to go there. I want to know if maybe we can add a ticking clock in there where it's like, ah, uh-uh, you got 12 hours to get to find your way out of here or else like the the Ooh. lamp portals closed forever. Which maybe I, maybe Rami uses a like makes a wish of like, I wish I knew how to get out of here. And it's like an insurmountable task where they're like, fuck it, we can beat them. And that that's where you get the ticking clock. Otherwise, the ticking clock comes from nowhere. Okay. They have they have to still, know the clock still, is ticking. But they, there still has to be a catch with that. So maybe the catch is that at the destination, like they need something he didn't tell them about or whatever, or like or like he doesn't tell them what the right last wish is. Yeah, something like that. Like you something have to like go that. and. You have the, to find the MacGuffin that will help you escape hell, but you don't know uh, what the MacGuffin is. We, we, we don't need a MacGuffin here. Kind of. I'm intrigued by the idea of setting the King Jin free, mm-hmm. although I like to imagine when they do come back, that was actually a huge mistake, and all of a oh, sudden yeah. the world's run amok. No, I think I think which you, which, you, which you would do. be the, which would be the ultimate work of the trickster. Yep jen which yeah actually that works really well together and then you set up the sequel which is ghostbusters <laughs> jen busters okay. okay maybe that's a step too far but i do really like that where it's it's kind of a swerve it's hard it's gonna be hard to to realize it's gonna be hard to make that work though because you know the whole thing with wishmaster is deception so yeah. you're gonna need to figure out a way to make Ooh. the king deceptiony guy. Like here we here we go, Ben. Okay. You as the movie goes on, you you realize that the main characters haven't actually been transported anywhere, and all the people they've been attacking and all the things they have been going through have been real people, have been completely real. And they've actually like like they've left their friends alone, dying in the streets, and just walked away. Okay, no better uh, suggestion or alternative suggestion. Oh. Uh, but back on the first idea, I like the idea where you, if you want to find a way out, you need to go to the center, to where mm-hmm. all of the demon essence is let out into the world through our lamps, like the the portal way to the real world right it's this yeah, big ass center. castle thing they have the lead jinn there king of the jinn yeah and there's like maybe this imp that's been helping them this whole time who's very lethargic or or, like or maybe maybe he could be michael from the third movie and he's, oh, sure. he's been yeah, like, let's go with that. yeah, and he's been like imprisoned by the djinn or whatever. He's been knocked down, whatever. And so he's trying to help them. And so he goes, look, guys, we need to stop this. We need to stop the king of the djinn. And since I'm an angel, if you get me up on there, like I can stop it. So the djinn, they reach there. They can use Michael's sword or whatever. Mm-hmm. They slay him. Michael sits on the throne 
And that's when you realize the king of the djinn was actually the person keeping them all there and keeping them mm-hmm. from using the way out. Michael was actually the djinn all along. Or maybe My- Michael, you could actually do the flip where it wasn't actually Michael. It was Lucifer who made a wish to appear as Michael. Right. As a, tri- a way of like tricking his way back not- into heaven. Yeah, you could do that too. That that sort of goes back into Judeo-Christian in a way. You're having you're having the Archangel Michael. Yeah, but he's already established. So I'm just saying, like, yeah. I mean, if if we but, want to, but avoid... yeah, I, but yeah, <laughs> I, I I I think that really works because then that's movie long, and I feel like if you have okay, this is the one person I can trust, and it flips on you, then you sort of feel, then you sort of feel got too, just like the the people. As long as it's not obvious. No, I mean, I mean that's sort of hard, right? But yeah, well, I, I then, think okay. that's doable. With 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 the, with the pretty solid setup we have we here, have, we have five we minutes. Have, we have a main character, and we have the main villain, who's we have Rami Malek and Dave Patel I, running this movie. I, I think I, you have like I mean, Salma we, Hayek I mean, in it. Yeah, we have the rest of the cast. We have the you drunk, have Chris. We have the stoner. Have, we have the sexy chick. We we have, have the Chris usuals. Angel in it. The yeah, real sure, Chris, Chris Angel. Angel. Yeah, the real Chris Angel and the director Chris Angel. Yeah, you have to have a and scene be, where they're together. And, and, and they'll be twin brothers, but they won't be fraternal twins. Oh, that'd, that'd be fucking cruel. <laughs> I, I think just because he's super hot right now, you get you get um, you get at least one one role since we have creative control for uh, uh, what's his name? Fuck, uh, uh, Tom Hiddleston. Uh, I think he would play a great djinn or like a demon imp character in this movie. Um, but who's writing it? That's the real question. Do we have it written by the famous Charnel House direct writers? I think it should be written by... I found Chris Angel's IMDb page and it's not the same Chris Angel, but this dude has directed 53 things. He directed the entirety of Valerie's home cooking. I think you could get someone like what's what about it, like a, what what about like Guillermo del Toro? Mm, I think he didn't he direct the last movie we should. I oh yeah, I think you go. I think you could go with someone like uh, Luca Guadagno, the guy who directed Suspiria and Call Me by Your Name. Okay. Um, I think he does scale really well with Suspiria and has a great, did a great job of presenting the, um, what's the right term here? The, the magic of the situation. I think you could have, um, it would be really cool to see someone like, um, like the hereditary director. What is his name? Yeah, I honestly, I I think that's what would be best to to do. Would be someone like yeah. Let's just use the hereditary director. Whoever we're he gonna is. get his goddamn name. Ari Ari Aster. He also wrote the movie. Yeah. The problem, yeah, because it would have to be a commentary on something that is like larger than itself to get Ari Aster attached to it. But fuck it, this is our world, and he's directing our goddamn that's movie. That's right. And no. uh, I think he writes and directs. You give him you gave him the full A twenty four treatment. Oh yeah, definitely. All right, I think I think we got our our movie locked in. 
Yeah, I mean, we we skip some broad strokes. Oh, Wishmaster is really about. Let let let's think. So we Matthew we got, Lillard is totally in this movie because I love Matthew Lillard. We we got the big one, but let's think of what's one good wish you can have backfire in this hell world. Um, in a hell world, uh... oh, someone someone uh, wishing they had the uh, like a magic powers. And then trying to cast a spell and just immolating themselves with fire. Yeah, I like that. You can have someone wish that everything uh, was normal again. And then they're Ooh. transported into a world where ever where everything is plain, where they're in like a dollhouse. Yes, I think I think something we do that would be a fantastic uh, execution in the movie was as long as the person who makes the wish is alive, the reality doesn't reset itself. So you could have like you end up in the dollhouse and like someone like wishes like I, I wish we were, you know, like full size again or I wish I wish we were able to leave this place and they like walk through a door right back into the hellscape. But like all the all of the gins are like dolls now, and it's like some like weird, like distorted version of both of their wishes. And then when the when the character who made the original wish dies, it kind of like the layers seep away. Yeah, I I feel like actually chronicling and comparing all these different wishes together would be a book and a half of effort. But I think it's worth definitely it. doable. And totally I, worth. And, I, and I, I like this overall concept here. We got I'm... 38 seconds left. Let's think of a, a name for Wishmaster 5. Yeah, Wishmaster 5. Um, Hellbound. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wishmaster 5. Um, they already did Beyond the Gates of Hell. Uh, beyond the Beyond. Yes, there we go. Boom. There we go. With 13 seconds to go. Hellraiser 5 Beyond the Beyond is in the books. Yes, uh, there it Matt, is. Uh, Matt, you you want to you want to give us a quick rundown of of everything we we discussed? Yeah, so in Hell in Hellraiser 5, the world has turned against even the notion of the djinn. The djinn are desperate to regain control when a group of five friends decide to travel downtown and end up in a pawn shop looking at weird oddities. These are your standard kind of like weirdo kids, kind of like last podcast and the left fans. They probably like this podcast, um, but they they decide they're going to buy an old genie lamp that the owner has. And it, the owner looks exactly like the old guy from Hellraiser as a nice little quip to everybody else. And he's played by chris angel the director and and we have them get this thing and one of the friends played by rami malik who you'll later find out is our main character becomes incredibly uncomfortable with what they're doing and does not think it's appropriate to be playing with something that's a religious artifact now everyone kind of jokes around and doesn't think it's real but when one night when they finally get home and someone decides to make a joke with it it actually works now, it's just a sensory effect, and it doesn't really do very much at all besides convince some of them. I'm like, oh, that was funny. And then when the next person tries to use it, things go a little wrong, and Rami Malik becomes very concerned. And after a while, a lot of tomfoolery and some other drama, Rami Malik snatches the, the, the thing away, 
the genie lamp away and makes a wish that he wishes everyone could understand him. Boom. We're in Jurassic Park. We're not in Jurassic Park. We're in a Jumanji world. We're in a world where everything is now snapped into reality and they have to fight their way through hell when after one of them makes a wish to find out how they can get through and get back to safety, they're sent on a mission through the different worlds and of a hell that they are creating themselves. And to the end, we find out that Dev Patel is the main villain and there's a guy named Michael who may or may not be helping them. He is a trap and he unleashes the gates of hell onto the world and then the whole world becomes a playground for the wishmasters wishmaster sick gins of the world well everyone thank you for listening be sure to subscribe to us apple podcasts uh, soundcloud spotify we got an Instagram that we do stuff with, Fourth Times Charm Pod or if something like if that. You, if you're listening to the, it's 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 Fourth Times a Charm official. If you're listening to this right now, we are currently reviewing 31 horror movies in the month of October. A Go. new one is posted as soon as we watch it. We have four reviews up there right now. We have a review of Vampire's Kiss a review of Interview with a Vampire, and a review of Nosferatu, Nosferatu, the vampire, the Herbert, uh, uh, what's his name? You know who his name is, and he's a famous director. We also have my review of Suspiria, the 1977 Dario Argento classic, and even more to come. Ben, this has been a great time. This is our third episode of Writer's Room. It certainly is. And not only was it charming, but this episode was also sponsored by our biggest fan, Brennan. And if you want to be our biggest fan, send us a message on Instagram or on this show's page and use the code beyond the beyond. And then starting next week, you will be our new biggest fan matt has been directing i've been producing and you've been listening to fourth times the charm good night everybody good